0: In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker,
1: you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask
0: yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.
1: All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining myself and Brian on the show today is Tyler Notch. Now, Tyler's a guy, dude, he's right near neck of the woods, Brian. He's in central Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, that's right where I grew up. I'm sure we had some of the same stomping ground. Yeah, so I'm pumped to t- chat with him. So he's got about as much experience out west as I do. Okay. Like, he's fairly new. I would consider him still a beginner or a rookie. But six years chasing after elk and mule deer and whitetail out west. And so I'm excited to pick his brain. Oh, sounds like a cool guy. Yeah. What uh what's new in your neck of the woods?
0: Just getting ready. Um I was in Iowa all last week and then did a little bit of shed hunting and I unfortunately didn't find anything, which I was really bummed about because I was walking some really good looking publics and saw a lot of deer sign. Um, it wasn't the kind of walk that you expect to find ten, but I would have um thought I would have found one. So that was kind of a bummer. But yeah. other than that, just getting ready to go out west with Steven. I think our listeners are probably getting tired of us talking about it and not doing it yet. But it's coming. It's We
1: got a date on the books where 19 sleeps out. Dude, We we get on a call tomorrow with him and just get details, figure out exactly what we need to bring out there. I'm so pumped. And he just found his first freshly dropped elk shed of the year. Yeah, he's going to torture us for the next 19 days, I'm sure. What did you think about that picture of 29, or that message about getting 29 sheds? Dude, that's, I just
0: hope, I don't want to get so excited that they're like, oh, we're going to find a ton, because I don't want to jinx it. I just hope we go out there and like find sheds and just have a great time in camp. I'm thinking I might smoke a pork
1: butt and get some barbecue pulled oh pork gosh. for the trip. Yeah. Dude, I am all about that. I'm going to be bringing a bunch of venison sticks. I got all my meat back from Wisconsin, so I've got, like, pepperoni garlic sticks. I've got summer sausage, jalapeno cheddar. I've got, um, man, I don't even know what all I've got. I've got two freezers full <coughs> right now of nothing but venison. So I'll be bringing some of that out to fuel us while we go and look for sheds. Yeah, you bought two freezers to go down or up to Wisconsin yeah. to get your deer, right? Yeah, dude, I had I had a deep freeze already. I've got an upright for upright fridge and freezer out in the shop, and then I was like, dude, I need more. I need more space, like because I'm not the guy. I don't want like 300 pounds of meat yeah. just piled on top of each other. Like I like to keep it organized, you yeah. know. And so now I've got like all my elk in a freezer, along with some of Missouri's whitetail, and then I've got um more actually my second whitetail from missouri in a different freezer and my wisconsin whitetail in another freezer but it's all like perfectly like all the summer sausages side by side the burgers side by side all the steaks are in one place all the all the bolognese in one place all the bacons in one place so i nice. like to keep it organized man yeah so
0: my i have a i have a deep freeze an upright freeze and then my kitchen freezer And on the deep freeze, it worked out that, you know what a milk crate is, right? Like square, a lot of people put their like sunflower heater, propane bottle in them. Well, they make a bigger one that's like a rectangle. And those fit perfectly like the deep way in my deep freeze. And I can fit two of them on top of each other. So I can put four in my deep freeze before you hit like the freezer unit. And so I have like, they're color coded, right? So the red one might be all hamburger. And the blue one is all, like, shanks and bone-in stuff. Yeah. And then I can just lift one whole thing out and get to the one on the bottom. Otherwise, you, like, pile all your stuff in a deep freeze. You can't get at the stuff at the bottom.
1: Exactly. And that's my my biggest issue. And so I'm actually looking online for some type of crate or divider with that, the proper dimension to where I can still pull it out. Yeah. But I can just have everything divided up because I know I'm not, like – there's no way I'm going through all the meat that I currently have before I start putting more stuff in there. Turkey season's like well, a not, month away. You're not gonna put you too know, much in the freezer for turkey season. <laughs> no, that's true. But <laughs> and sheds you, look, you don't have to freeze, so boom boom. But like Oklahoma hog is coming up. So like I've got pork coming there. My buddy Brad is like, dude, you wanna do some swapping? Cause he he has raised and butchered two pigs that I've sold him. Oh and yeah. He's got like three freezers just full of pig. Oh, I mean, pig like for pig. everything you can think of, fat, like yeah, all the cuts. And so he's like, "You wanna, you wanna swap out some venison for bacon and pork?" And I was oh my like, gosh, dude, I could probably do that. I'm like, we got our little like backcountry barter system going on here. Me and all my buddies with the different animals we kill. Like, hey, I'll trade you some of this for some of that. Dude, I used to, I
0: used to go out. Goose hunting with a crew, and they were killers. And I would just say, like, hey, if anyone doesn't want to keep the geese, I'll take them. Like, you don't even have to clean them. Yeah. And so you got, I got a ton of geese. I mean, I think one time I came home with like fifty snows. It was whatever the possession limit was for spring season, which I think is unlimited. And I turned it all into sticks and jerky with like a bunch of sausage and cheese, and it was delicious. And then every time, all summer long, we'd go to a bonfire, we'd play darts in the yard. I'm always bringing a couple packs. Never had
1: to bring any home dude that's amazing well it's going to be a fun trip hopefully we'll have some good snacks we're definitely going to have some good meals but uh tyler just jumped in the waiting room so what do you say we hop in awesome excited to meet him you're listening to the western rookie a hunting podcast full of tips tricks and strategies from seasoned western hunters there are plenty of opportunities out there we just need to learn how to take on the challenges hunting is completely different up there
0: I've 26 big game animals.
1: You can fool their eyes, but you can't fool their nose. 300 yards back to the road turned into three miles back the other way. It's
0: always cool seeing new hunters go and harvest an animal. I don't know what
1: to expect. If there's anybody I want in the woods with me, it'll be you. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining us on the show is Tyler Notch from central minnesota we were just talking about my packers hat that i have on for the, pod- <laughs> for the podcast listeners you can't see i do have a packers hat on and i'm talking to two dudes from minnesota so maybe not the best move on my part but either way we're excited to have you on tyler <laughs> thanks i appreciate it it hurts a little bit to have to look at that <laughs> packers hat the whole time but i'll suck it up i guess I really should have put my flag up in the like a, on oh. the back wall, maybe like Rogers like running it into oh, the end no. zone on the Vikings or something. <laughs> not that that happens all the time, right? It's never gonna happen again. But well, we'll just uh,
0: throw up a, a fat head of uh, who was it, Harrison Smith or No not, yeah, uh yeah. that broke his collarbone then
1: oh gosh Anthony yeah. Barr I think it oh, was
0: bar, yeah
2: yeah. you can tell yeah. how
0: much I like football but I was going to comment you can tell Dan doesn't really do much video because at least Tyler and I got the message to wear a hunting hat to a hunting <laughs> podcast
1: hey dude I've got a hunting shirt on best retrievers man this is where scouts at oh. being trained right now nice so he's, yeah he's sorry. got that going repping, for him I'm not repping all my favorite hunting brands right now I probably should be <laughs> as a podcast host well man we're excited to have you on and uh before we started recording we were talking about experience levels uh just between the three of us we've all had roughly the same amount of experience hunting out west and so it's going to be really cool to get your take on things as someone who's been chasing after elk for over Mm -hmm. half a decade now chasing after whitetails and mule deer out west so Uh, before we jump into that part of the conversation why don't you share with the listeners maybe a little bit about yourself what you do in the outdoor space and uh, what your passions are yeah for sure
2: Uh, like you said Dan I'm from central Minnesota Uh, I've been hunting elk for about seven well this will be my seventh year this year Um, as far as the outdoor space goes I did uh, just become part owner of the Alexandria Shooting Park here in Alexandria Minnesota which is a trap range uh, and soon to be archery range here in in central Minnesota Uh, and outside of that I am involved with uh, backcountry hunters and anglers here in Minnesota as well I'm on the executive board of our Minnesota chapter so I've been really involved with those guys I've done stuff with uh, the youth outdoor activity day that we have here in Alexandria um, to help kids out and then also uh volunteered my time a lot with um various other things like Pheasant Fest and some of those big events that happen in Minnesota as well. So that's been a good experience for me too to get um kind of get used to working with those in the outdoor industry that have been there for a little while. Uh and backcountry hunters and anglers is is a passion of mine from the standpoint that I hunt out west and mostly public land. And I want to do all I can to maintain that public land for the future. Uh, specifically my family, and specifically even more, my kids. Um, so that's been a big passion of mine as well. So that's a little bit of background on me. Outside of of outdoors, um, my career is actually as an executive director of a senior living facility here in central Minnesota. So I manage about 170 staff and 290-ish residents every single day. So that keeps me pretty busy. Um, and then, like I said, I got a wife and three kids, and besides that, it's just all hunting for me.
1: So, wife, kids, career, and then hunting. Dang, you've got you kind of have your hand in a little bit of everything, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. The shooting park, backcountry hunters and anglers, your your day job, which yeah. every time I hear, like, I I had a girl that I knew. She actually volunteered for an organization I worked with, and she worked at a senior living community. And every time I would go there, like we went there and we tried to put on a volunteer event one time. And every wow. time I would go, I just kept having like a flashback of Ben Stiller in happy Gilmore <laughs> saying like, you will go to sleep or I will put you to sleep. <laughs> so now that's going to, I think I'm going to Photoshop your face on his body for this, this uh, podcast cover.
2: That, that totally works. And I've made that reference before as
1: well. So <laughs> I'm glad to bring that up. That's pretty funny. <laughs> uh. I got to ask about the Alexandria shooting park because I have not been there. I used to take that route to go home to, or to go to my hometown of Eau Claire. Um, but now I take a totally different route. What, what made you want to get into that? Um, was the idea to get into it and then also transition it towards more archery or did you buy it for your love of trap shooting and then say, Oh, I've got another cool idea.
2: Yeah uh, it was a little of both. Um, I think as my passion for elk hunting specifically has grown and archery as well because that's all that's all that I mostly do. um, It's kind of led me to look for things that really align with that passion and I got three other guys that I'm in on that shooting park with. Um, Two of them are very close friends and then one of them is becoming a very close friend so it's been good to to forge those relationships and two of the three are already in the outdoor industry so it's been good for me to learn from them as well but we had a we had an idea that we started with which was to to kind of build our own shooting park specifically with retail and some other things in there um and we always kind of had our eye on on the shooting park to be that spot and we thought it was a long shot but we went and approached the ownership group and they originally told us no but then um they told us yes after thinking about it for a little while and you know just being able to to combine my passion again for archery and elk hunting um the focus for me i'm the only archery guy of the group so i wanted to be able to bring archery to our community and really help grow it here in central minnesota um and i i use the reference a lot with people here in in alexandria that I want archery to be uh, what trap was about 10, 15 years ago, where it was just starting to blow up. Um, and I want that that same kind of path for archery. And I think I think they're doing some really good things in our community. And I think we can help support that. And I think with the passion that I have for it too, uh, and the ownership group we have, we're going to do some really cool things out there. They're going to make it make it pretty um pretty big, not just in Alexandria, but I think central Minnesota as a whole and, and really the Midwest as a whole too, if we can do the things we want to do. So, Yeah,
1: that's awesome. I mean, yeah. you've kind of jumped into it at a peak time for archery mm-hmm. archery just seems like it's blowing up. And I don't know yeah. the numbers, I don't know industry numbers, like yep. sales wise and, and overall interest. But in my mind, I'm like, dude, archery is king right now. Mm-hmm. Nothing seems to compete with it. Yeah. Obviously you still have those people that go out year after year for the gun season in their, in their state or in their County, mm-hmm. but all the media online seems to just be centered around archery, Western hunting, getting off the beaten path, going public, you know, yeah, there's just movement of that right now.
2: Yeah, I agree completely. And I've done some, just to put some perspective on it for maybe for you, you guys and then the listeners too, is, I, I did some work with the high school here in Alexandria. They invited me to come watch their um, high school archery program. Uh, they had I think, 40 kids in the, the varsity kind of club. And then they told me they had about 60 in the middle school. And then the goal was to send all of the middle school kids through that. So about 360 kids will be going through archery here, just in Alexandria. And then uh, some of our neighboring communities, um, like, I know before we jumped on, Brian said he's familiar with the, the Yostakos <laughs> area. They just had, a, I think, a, an archery shoot in their school, I want to say, a couple weeks ago. And then there's a couple other local towns, too, that have some, some archery programs. So you're looking at 500, 600 kids, probably, just in a 20-mile radius of Alexandria that'll be going through some sort of archery program. So
1: we're happy to be able to support that. That's incredible. Yeah. And, man... Brian, you're going to have to uh, be the northern arm of the western rookie representing <laughs> at any events they do up there.
0: Yeah, I was thinking when I went through middle school, they did an archery segment in gym, and we asked if we could bring in our own bows, and she was like, yeah, sure, go for it. And so <laughs> we brought in our own bows for it. There's like three, four of us that bow hunted. and But when they rolled out those targets, those old, what is it, red, yellow, blue, Yep. the holes were like gone and we're like i'm not shooting my bow at that thing it's gonna go like straight through and bounce off the wall on the other side so we didn't even use them no yeah that'd
1: be pretty risky man like go through hit the concrete wall or the cinder block and come back at you
0: well one like one or two segments after us a kid's bow got stolen out of the gym like he had to bring it for like the whole six weeks and leave it locked in the storage room and somebody stole his bow so that put an end on all that Oh geez, yeah, yeah. No, it was a good. It was a Hoyt. If it was a Matthews, oh. they would have just left it.
2: Yeah. Oh. No. I mean, they can take the Hoyt
1: if they want, but unbelievable, <laughs> dude. You got to throw that out there, just I on did, the off chance that Hoyt's listening. Just, yeah. You're, oh, you're just you're just trying to get a sponsor. That's all you care. You're just like, I don't actually really like their bows, but Matthews already turned me down because they're too good for me. No, Matthew's
0: (laughs) is a great bow. I've been shooting him a long time, but the Hoyt's got the 80 pound in my draw length, so I'm going to be switching.
1: There you go. Do you think that will help you kill
0: an animal? Lately, my problem with killing elk with my bow is that I hunt with my brother, and he carries around, like, all four of the lucky rabbit's feet.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you got to just steal a couple of those from his pack at some point.
0: Yeah, we, like... I'll have, like, the unluckiest encounter where I draw back, stop the bull, range it, dial in, perfect. And I go to squeeze off, just a nice, graceful, like, release. And there's a branch, like, two inches in front of my arrow that I can't see in front of my sight. And I just, wham, hit it, tree explodes, arrow's (laughs) gone, elk just stands there and looks back. And there's my brother, steps out, how far? (laughs) Gets it. (laughs) So, that was in Montana. Gosh, that was just a. It's like that's happened twice to me. Not exactly the same details, but twice we've like stumbled into a bowl, and for some reason I have the worst luck, and I can't. I'm out of the game completely before it even starts.
1: See now, as you as you get deeper into hosting the Western rookie, those opportunity like he's going to be the one who's missing, and you're going to be smoking Mm -hmm.
0: him. Well, I started when I was 21. He started when he was like 41. So I got a 20-year head start before I got to start doing his old Indian tricks of, you know, pulling one out of the quiver and just doing Kentucky windage.
1: legless. Yeah. Oh, man. Tyler, what about you? Yeah. How, how did you get into Western hunting? Because uh, I like to hear the stories because everyone's got, some people have the same story, but for the most part, it's it's all different out there Uh, with people's yeah. experience and their journey to it.
2: Yeah, it's been, it's been a great experience. My first exposure was um, I went, gosh, it's probably almost 13 or 14 years ago now. Well, maybe more. Um, I went with my dad out to South Dakota. There was an Indian reservation out there called Lower Bool, um Indian Reservation. And he had hunted it in the past. They have a lot of mule deer and whitetail out there. Um, it's on the, pretty close to Chamberlain. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Chamberlain, but it's right on the other side of the, the Missouri river there. Um, and we went out there and that was my first kind of exposure to what I would consider a Western hunt. And that just, that was all spot and stock. Um, I was able to spot within, and this was really like my first time ever really hunting in that type of element. And I, hiked, I, I, I stocked within, I think, probably 10 yards of what I would consider 160, 170 inch whitetail it was bedded up uh, on this little drainage and I had no idea what I was doing. So um, something behind me like popped out of the bush. I can't remember if my dad was like 600 yards back or what it was, but something popped out, which caught the deer's attention. And he stood up and instead of pulling back and shooting, I ducked down into the drainage because I didn't want him to see me. Um, And he kind of took off and, and I never got a shot at him. So that was like my first failed stock, but not really a failed stock when I got that close to that big of a whitetail. tail. Um, so that was my first exposure. And then uh, I had a little break in between there. Um, we moved back from like Grand Forks, North Dakota, we moved back to Alexandria. And my first, I think it was my first year back, my dad asked me to go out to, to Montana with him. And I took him up on it. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, that was my first trip out there. And we, went, we were in kind of central Montana. Uh, I didn't do any scouting. I didn't really do any training. I didn't do do anything really to prepare for it other than shoot my bow once in a while and throw a pack on a week before. Um, and I got my butt kicked. Uh, we saw some elk. We did not see a lot of elk. Uh, I shot a, a mule deer doe. Um, but that was all we got. And I think we were out there for, I want to say, 10 days. And it was a pretty eye-opening experience for, for me. Um, and to be quite honest, I don't know that I've ever really shared this story with anybody, but I had severe, severe anxiety back then, um, to the point where I would get like almost little panic attacks when I was out in the woods by myself, specifically out in an element like that, that I had never been in before. And it started to weigh on me mentally, like big time. And it was to the point where I was like, I don't know if I want to want to be out here anymore. And I never quit anything in my life, but that was like the first moment I ever had where I was like, I kind of want to throw in the towel on this one. And I, I kind of did. And it's something that I will never forget, but what it did, um, I just had this like sinking feeling in my stomach for the next year. And that whole next year, I was like, never again, is that going to happen? Um, and I started to train year round. Started to shoot my bow year round. Started to scout year round. Um, and it really drove me into this like disciplined mind frame to really push myself to be the best that I could. Uh, to not have those mental barriers be a factor in the future. And unfortunately, um, my second and third year out, we were out with uh, we we switched up like who we went with. We we kind of went through a couple different hunting partners, but um a couple of those years uh there was a couple of situations where it was kind of the same thing where it was like you could tell it was weighing mentally on the people that were with us and they maybe just didn't want to be out there as long as we did and at that point um I I didn't really have the gumption to be like well suck it up we're staying out here so uh I learned a couple lessons there um we we started to get into elk a little bit more uh, but not consistently um so it was really around 2019, I think, when I went out to, to Montana. There was um the there there was a a range in kind of south central Montana that we went to um and it was full of grizzlies. <laughs> so that was that was a, a eye-opening experience. And while we were out there, we actually ran into a group that was from Alexandria. I can't remember what their names were. Um but it was kind of a small world where we ran into some guys from from minnesota out there and they kind of pointed us in the direction of where where elk would be but we got into some elk and then um we actually ran into two or three guys on the road that had gotten mauled by grizzlies so we uh we we kind of looked at each other and talked about it and kind of drove around a little bit more and we Had some other spots in mind that would, uh, we, we knew we could get into some elk, uh, but we drove out there, um, had some good encounters with elk, but ultimately those grizzly bears drove us to a different, uh, different unit, and then uh, we didn't have as much luck as we would have liked. So,
0: yeah, we've you know, our groups hunted the grizzlies. I don't think Dan's ever hunted in grizzly country because you usually stick to Colorado. But we've hunted some gnarly grizzly country. And I remember one year we were going out and they shut down like the south half of a mountain. And we were hunting the north half. But they shut down the south half because an entire herd of cattle died. They ate the wrong flower and they all died. And there were so many oh, bears. Out. They counted like 29 grizzly bears out in this one meadow. And so we're like, well, at least we don't have to worry about bears because they're all on the other side of the mountain. And then the day we arrive... They are like, all right, all the grizzly bears are gone. They went home. You can come in here again. And I we're like, shit, now they're all back. And so first night, one of our guys shoots an elk, quarters it up, gets it back to camp. And then somebody in our camp, like, ran into other people that got mauled. And then the paper said later on the way back, like, oh, grizzly bear attack, you know, one mile up, you know, Snake Creek. And we're like, Ben, didn't you shoot a bull, like, one mile up Snake Creek in the only patch of timber that is on Snake Creek? And he's like. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much exactly. Brian, were
2: you all. Were you guys staying in a cabin when you were in that mountain range?
0: Uh, we've done both. It depends on which year. In 2019 we stayed in a in a cabin.
2: Yeah, that was the the year I was in Montana and wherever we were at kind of had the same situation. So Yeah. Were were you were you the guys that we ran into
0: out there? <laughs> Must have been. You think so? Must have been us, I mean. Not too many guys from Alexandria.
2: What a small world.
1: Yeah. Dang, that's wild, man. You guys are like, realize you've already met each other out in the middle of nowhere in Montana. Well, we didn't really meet each other out in the middle of nowhere in Montana. We kind of went out
0: there as a one group. (laughs) Tyler and I have known each other for a couple of years. Yeah.
1: have you guys I, really I, yeah <laughs> have you guys just been oh my god i had tyler on i feel my... like this is some stupid tiktok prank my wife is playing on me right now i'm like this is everything about this seems so wild to me you're like tyler you're talking brian yeah. you're talking and i'm thinking like dude everything that tyler's saying i know that brian like has done that that's where he hunts this is this is insane yeah. yeah, yeah, Tyler yeah, on my so podcast dumb. like I, I'm two just going to leave this podcast right now. You guys can just <laughs> take it from here. So Tyler's work, the
0: senior living center that he directs, is like a mile from my parents' house and a half mile
1: from my brother's house. I I'm was like, already going to make a comment. Like, Brian, you need to go over there and play bingo with those guys. Just <laughs> more whitetail hunting access. Like, does anybody have any property? Like, I'll come play bingo every week with you. Yeah, no, Tyler texted me like six weeks
0: ago, and he's like, hey. Are you leading this Western rookie podcast now? And I'm like, Yeah, I'm co-hosting it. Why? And he goes, I just got a confirmation email. I'm gonna be on the podcast later in March. And I'm like, Oh, don't tell Dan you know me. <laughs> <laughs> you guys freaking suck so bad.
2: <laughs> I was actually kind of nervous telling that story because I was kind of trying to figure out
1: how I'd wrap it up to let Brian kind of dive in there. But this whole this whole time I'm literally thinking, like, this is insane how many similarities these two guys have. <laughs> Like so. Yeah, we
2: had to get you specifically since
1: you have that Packers hat yeah. on. So. Here, I'll just turn it around. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Yeah, we, but, so uh,
0: it was legit, though. We went out, yeah. we had hunted it before, and then Tyler and his dad said, hey, like, we've been burned so many times with bad yeah. hunting partners. And we're like, well, where we go is big enough that you can, like, camp next to us, and then we'll just, like, tell you where some spots are and where you're mm-hmm. not to go. But there was something in the water that year with grizzlies. Yeah. Five pe- Five people got mauled mm-hmm. the week we were there. One of them was on yeah. very likely on one of our elk carcasses. Um, my brother goes, Hey Tyler, you and your dad can go hunt this like it's kind of a small <laughs> strip of timber, but you guys can go hunt it. Um, it's you know, it's good elk hunting. And Tyler walks right into a dinner plate or a dinner uh, Yeah, there was a
2: there's a buried elk grizzly kill right there on the edge of the timber. And like Jeez. like two idiots, we decided to walk up to it and luckily nothing. Nothing came after us, but it was pretty wild being out there. We saw a ton of elk, though, so it's a, it was a really good spot. And I, I told Brian on his podcast, we actually went back there this year. Um, we got one cow out of that same exact area, and then uh, I called in a giant bull for my dad to about 60, and he ended up missing it. but. It's uh it's one of the better elk areas if you can deal with the grizzly. <laughs> <When> Tyler, <laughs> the grizzly fear.
0: When Tyler told me that I'm like, "What? You guys went yeah. back there like <laughs> it, the grizzlies didn't even bother us that much, but mm-hmm. you left that week because the grizzlies mm-hmm. were like right on top of where you guys were."
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Dang. No. I don't yeah, I haven't done a whole lot in grizzly country in the lower 48. I've done a couple hunts on Kodiak, and we've had close calls there. But I feel like it would be different being with a big group of guys. Not that, like, that's going to stop a grizzly bear. Yeah. But the encounters that I've had, it's been, like, me and my wife. And, <laughs> uh, it's a little unnerving when she's armed with two trekking poles. And, you know, she's just screaming yeah. at it. And I'm like, hey, apparently a there's... trekking pole is all you need if you ask Giannis <laughs> Patelis. Yeah, yeah, it's sure. true, yeah, dude, smacking it in the face. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a whole different ballgame, man, packing that, packing that deer out. That was unnerving to say the least, especially because 80% of our hike was through like salmon berries that were seven feet tall. And oh, so, I mean, it's like clear paths, like people hike this trail all the time, but I'm talking like a wall of salmon berries on both sides and you can't see five feet and I'm just packing out a bloody, like, here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: come and get it. I would say that I, uh, grizzly country is not scary while well, the sun's up. I have no issues in grizzly no, country when the sun's up. No, But we had to pack two bulls out at dark in that unit, and that's where you start. You get a little spring in your step. You, you're surprised how many extra gears you really have down there when you are <laughs> you got a quarter of bait on your back and it's dark and you're trying to get back. Um, or when you wake up at night and the outhouse is like, what was it tyler like 75 yards outside yeah. the wire
2: yeah like, and you guys had seen a grizzly i think like the night before
0: or something like 300 yards in that yeah. direction yeah so you're waking Jeez. up in the middle of the night you got to go number 2 right there's not a lot of good options So you're like do i just squat in the middle of camp and <laughs> like stay close like there's a little bit of comfort staying oh, by the be trucks doing and all the, block
1: the bag man or do
0: i walk out to that porta potty out there where you got to like you got to get out of the corral and you got to like walk through the woods for like 50 yards and it's like up in this clearing man was that a scary walk sometimes
1: at like two in the morning (laughs) no i yeah i i'm normally really good with animals like i don't get wigged out by a whole lot but there have been some times uh, especially up in alaska where i'm like dude there's nothing i could do right now like if they wanted me i'd be done
2: yeah Yeah. they just have you at that point right
1: yeah What Yeah. what are you guys doing for bear protection out there are you doing a sidearm and bear spray
2: Um, the, the group I went out there with this year, there were four of us, including myself. I had bear spray. The other three had pistols. Um, I want to say they all three had 10 millimeters, but I'm not 100% sure on that. So,
0: okay. Yeah. The first year we went to that unit, I had a big old, like six inch 357 revolver. (laughs) It was terrible. It was so heavy. It, the barrel would always hit me in the leg on every step and it just got so annoying. So I went and bought the Glock 20 in a 10 mil, and then we carry, when it's serious grizzly country, me and my mm-hmm. brother always carry 10 mils and spray. Um, one of our guys only carries a pistol, and then another guy only carries spray, and they're kind of, they differ in opinion. One guy also, the guy that only carries a pistol sprayed himself with bear
1: spray one time, so <laughs> I don't know if that factors in. Yeah, I'd probably switch to a pistol at that point. <laughs> yeah. We, we had a guy at elk camp, my first year there, he's a giant dude. We call him Herd Bull. And he he had me pick up his pack one time. And the pack was easily 100 pounds. I'm talking, like, he had the biggest... I think it was a Mystery Ranch pack. The largest Mystery Ranch pack that they made. Completely stuffed full. And this guy's, like, probably 6'5". He's got to be 320. I mean... And... He's like, yeah, Dan, check out my new pack, and I like go to put it on. And I, it, I mean, it takes everything in me just to get it onto my shoulders. And he's like, yeah, dude, and I brought my sardarm. <laughs> Same thing that you're talking about. I think he had like a 44 mag, and it was the. It looked like one of those revolvers that you see in the showcase at Shields, and it's got like a full rifle scope mounted on top. I mean, it was that big. It was just huge. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> like, what do you think is out here? We're in Colorado. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they're is like an occasional grizzly that strays into Colorado, but you don't have to carry something that size. He ended up leaving a lot of his stuff out at spike camp. And he's like, dude, literally, if anybody wants any of that stuff, you can go out there and get it. Cause I am not going back in. And then by the <laughs> end of the week he decided, okay, I'll go back for my stuff. Nice yeah i i'm trying to get more into the lightweight game i mean i don't Mm -hmm. have i don't carry a heavy pack most of the time um but i'm trying year after year to refine the gear that i take out and just become more minimalistic with my with my pack yeah every year every year i say that i'm gonna cut some weight i'm gonna cut some weight and then
0: i strap on my back i'm like this thing still weighs 40 pounds. I don't know what happened. And I start like putting it together in my head. I'm like, all right, eight pounds of water. No, wait, that's a gallon. I don't do the gallon. Four pounds of water, a couple pounds of glass. That's like my puffy jacket. Like, is that like, that's not where the weight's coming from. But then I realized like, Oh yeah, I got a camera. I got two spare batteries, a juicer, my Mm -hmm. cell phone, all this other extra gear. And then it, it adds up fast.
2: My buddy that went with me this year, um, it was his first time doing a Western hunt. And, uh, He was texting me like the whole time right before we were leaving. And he texted me like two days before he's like, how much does your pack weigh? And I think he said, mine's at like 60. And I said, oh, mine's at 25. (laughs) He's like, what? How did you get it to that? He's
0: probably bringing the blackstone, some propane, (laughs) got
1: a box of eggs. I gave him a hard time for it. It sounds like my wife, when we go out camping, we'll like hike in three, four miles, uh, And we've got this spot that we always like to go hit. We cross the river like four times to get there. And when I'm talking about food to take out, she's like, Oh, I wanna do, I wanna do foil packs. And so I'm like, Oh, okay, that sounds fine. So we go to the store. She's buying like whole bell peppers. She's (laughs) buying cans of cream corn, cans of cream of mushroom soup, like potatoes, all this stuff. And I'm like, who's carrying all that? And she's like, you are, you've got a bigger pack. And I'm like, we're going out for two days. Like we don't need all this food. We could eat a big meal before we go out there and then not even eat until we come back. And instead I've literally got a whole thing of like Reynolds aluminum foil in my backpack. (laughs) I just, I don't do it, but I can't, I can't say a whole lot. Cause if I'm just going out for like a day hunt, I typically have a pretty, like I pack way too much crap when my pack's empty if yeah. that makes sense if i'm going yeah. out just for the day i'll be like oh i got room for this sure i'll throw that in i'll throw that in
2: I, i'm with you completely snacks, on but... that yeah i'll like throw the the jet boil in for a day and like two mountain house meals and it's like what the heck are you doing why are you putting all that in there
0: yeah i'll throw the jet boil in my pack to go deer hunting in like a tree stand <laughs> and i've cooked jet boils like turned around put it on the seat and cooked like full
1: meals yeah in the deer stand
2: That's a good idea for a full day sit, you know? Yeah.
1: It is a great idea. Dude, jet boils are amazing. Mm -hmm. I swear by them. I I bring mine everywhere. I hardly take a pack out without that being in it. Yeah. Are you guys, uh, so, all right. Take a step back for a second. (laughs) You guys obviously know each other. How long have you been hunting together? Well, Well, we just. 2019. Yeah, that was, so. Yeah. Oh. That was kind of the first time we
2: hunted together and then. I'm really good friends with Brian's brother um, and I would say I'm good friends with Brian too, uh, but we haven't really, I don't think we've really hunted together since then, but yeah, I definitely share stories with the two. They share stories with me and we kind of bounce ideas off each other once in a while. So okay. it's been, been since 2019. I think I met your brother before then maybe, but. Yeah, probably through youth day. 20, so the youth yeah. day
0: that his his range now hosts My brother runs. He started it. Now they're up to, what, 2,500 kids a year?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Jeez. Yeah. So. And it's all free for the kids. It's a really cool event. Yeah, so we've
0: we've known each other for a minute. I I lived at the Alex Shooting Range when I was growing up, but
1: I knew if I told you that, then you'd be like, oh, then you have to know this guy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I just can't believe it took me that long. This whole time, I'm like, there are so many coincidences here. Like these guys are going to be best friends. <laughs> and it turns out you guys are already friends. So jokes <laughs> on me.
0: Yeah.
2: We we've, had to do it. Too, we've yeah. only
1: been planning this for six weeks. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you were, ta- yeah. And Tyler, you're talking about North Dakota and I'm like, what in the, that is so many things that they've got. Yeah. yeah. Well, you,
0: he texted me this morning. He's like, Hey, you doing the podcast today? And I'm like, well, Dan really hasn't mentioned anything. I'll text him like, hey, you got any Western rookie guests lined up in the next couple weeks? I just want to know before I schedule anything, knowing that if you, like, looked at it, you'd be like, oh, this guy is a Western rookie podcast, not a nomadic Outdoorsman podcast. And then you, like, text me back, yeah, I got one at 730. We could turn into a Western. I was like, all right, sounds like a good guy to have on. Dude, you guys
1: suck, man. I hate. I love playing pranks, and I feel like an idiot <laughs> when they're played on me, you got me good though. All yeah, right, we got, you got me, you me good. good. What you guys don't realize is now I'm gonna show up to your elk camp out in Montana. Like, hey guys, how's oh, funny you guys are here. I doubt it. Yeah. Did you hear the whole I bit thought... about grizzly bears? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'll I'll go hunt grizzly country. Like, I I do look forward to hunting up there. Montana mm. was gorgeous. I went there for the first time this year and i fell in love with it i was every sign that we passed where it was a little cabin for sale in the woods i was like babe look that up on zillow look that up and we didn't have service any of those places but Mm -hmm. i definitely would love to have a spot up there
0: that place that we're talking about was also like picturesque like it was Mm -hmm. like valleys and then black timber and you'd see elk you glass elk i mean one time me and my brother got into a herd of bulls and just a full herd. I mean, it was, we're calling and raking and running up this hill. And it turns out Tyler and his dad were just like across the valley. They just stopped and laid down and watched the show because they could see everything.
2: Mm-hmm. It <laughs> was, it was insane. We actually had a uh, satellite bull. I told Brian on his podcast, I don't think he knew it at the time, but we had a satellite bull that came running from behind those two and got to like, I don't know, 200 yards from me and my dad, just bugling his brains out. So it was pretty cool to see watch the whole show
1: that's sweet and yeah you guys i mean brian you've gone out there and had a pretty decent sized group multiple times right yeah i mean that 2019 year it was a little out of control we Mm -hmm. had
0: nine hunters and one bear hunter who didn't he didn't elk hunt so he just bought a bear tag and walked around with his rifle and then we left him at a couple carcasses throughout the week and then as we like started to get reception and we started getting news reports in like, Oh, another one got mauled open. Oh, another one got mauled. All of a sudden he didn't really want to be left alone at a carcass <laughs> until dark anymore.
1: No, I don't think I'd want to either, man. We, yeah, I I haven't had a lot of bear encounters. In fact, I've had zero bear encounters while hunting out West, Yeah, uh, black bears involved or included. Um, but in Utah this year, Linnea and I, we were setting up camp and as I started tying my tarp up, there was this tiny little patch of pine trees, and I was tying it to a branch on one of those pine trees, and then the wind shifted and I caught a smell and I was like, What the heck? And there was a there was a sheep kill that was stashed right in between all those pine trees. And I was like, Oh wow. Oh crap, dude. Like <laughs> we almost just camped right on top of a carcass that something stashed in the trees. Yeah. Yeah. It can be wild. I was
0: charged. I had like a bluff charge of a black bear. I don't, I say a bluff charge cause it sounds cooler. I think he was just running in my general direction <laughs> <laughs> through the woods. Um, but yeah, well that's kind of been the issue our groups had for many years is that mm-hmm. we get, we got pretty big. And so then it's like, well, we don't, there's not a lot of places you can go with 10 guys and like everyone's into good hunting, especially, I feel like it's even harder with archery as weird as that sounds, because you can bugle an entire ridge in one day. Like two mm-hmm. guys can cover a whole ridge. Whereas if you're rifle hunting, you can kind of post up, right? You can put three, four people, three or four groups on that same ridge and just kinda of hole up and, and kinda of still hunt or, you know, scout glass, wait till they come to you. And so that's been the problem. And that's probably the biggest reason why we haven't crossed paths in the West again. It was like, our group's already so big and then we're having issues mm-hmm. on our own getting drawn because every state's got a max party size. And so now we had to split up and it's just a disaster. Dang. yeah.
2: I, yeah. I actually, we had a, another bear encounter, Brian, when we were out that same trip when we switched to a different uh, unit. And we actually called your buddy that had the bear tag because we saw a giant black bear on a kill um in the unit we were in and while we were down there um we were watching this bear and then all of a sudden this brown bear comes from like the west i think and started working its way towards the the kill and we're like oh shit that's a grizzly and this is going to be a show and it wasn't a grizzly it was just a really big cinnamon black bear but they actually fought for about 20 minutes and we uh, got to sit there the whole time and watch it, so it was pretty cool. But we tried to get your buddy to come out there and shoot it, but he didn't have any interest. So
0: <laughs> he just wanted Man. to walk around with us in the woods. Yeah,
2: I think to so too. Yeah,
0: yeah. So. No, that's a wild. That part of Montana is wild. That's mm-hmm. it's. We got. We've seen so many bears in that unit. One time we were doing a calling setup, and this is when. All of a sudden, I look through the woods. We're doing this calling setup. Everything's quiet. Arrow's knocked. And I start seeing something coming through the tree. And like I got a little gap. And so I'm like, oh, this is going to happen, right? This is going to happen. Elk's walking right towards me. And so I'm getting ready to draw. And I know, I'm know i like, that's kind of weird. It's like doing like this, coming at me. And I'm like, elk don't really do that.
1: <laughs> Bound like that.
0: Yeah. And I'll, it's like it goes up and down, up and down. All of a sudden, it gets to like 40 yards. I realize it's a, Blair, a black bear running right at me. And I'm like, oh, shit. And I, I remember dropping my bow, and my broadhead went straight into the mud, and my bow, like, bounced once and then tipped over. And I remember, like, the weirdest things happen in these moments, but I just remember, like, taking that moment and be like, oh, that was weird. And then I, like, drew my pistol and my bear spray, and about that time the bear stopped and saw me and stood up and then took off. So I don't know if he was coming <laughs> at me, because we're doing a calling setup, or if he was just running in my general direction. Either way, I need a new underwear. doesn't matter. (laughs) And then I'm like, all right, this is cool, but I'm ready to be done. I haven't seen anybody in my party in about an hour. So I circle around and try to find them. Come up on a dead elk, full of cat tracks, right? It looks like a bear track, but no claws, so it's a cat track. I was like, oh, shit. Now I'm by myself, and there's a bear and a mountain lion in here somewhere. (laughs) So I I just start bugling my head off. Like, that's kind of our... Call sign is, like, if you just bugle an excessive amount, everyone knows there's something wrong. And so we start bugling our heads off. Finally, they bugle. I come up to them. And there's the two head the two head aliens in our group are hunched over a log going, look at how cool that looks like. That's a grizzly track. Because there was, like, a grizzly track, and then the claws were far enough out where you could draw a line in between the paws and the claws. And that's how you tell it's a grizzly versus a black bear. And they're like, oh, that's pretty neat. That's, like, fresh. And I'm like, I've had it. There's a black bear, a grizzly bear, and a mountain lion in these woods. Let's leave.
1: <laughs> You're just waiting for a wolf pack to howl at that point.
0: Yeah, that would have been the trifecta or the what is that now, like a quadruple hat trick?
1: Yeah. Dang, dude. Yeah, Mon- <laughs> Montana seems like a pretty wild place. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't – honestly, it's got to be one of the top states as far as grizzly attacks and encounters.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, imagine imagine I would say.
1: yeah, Wyoming's pretty Western. Yeah, I, was gonna I mean, say Wyoming exactly. and Montana
0: have to be the Well, the the, the heart of the grizzlies in that part of the state are coming out of Yellowstone. That's mm-hmm. the the greater Yellowstone ecosystem is where these bears were. When we were kind of where they brought problem bears out of the park and dropped them off is where we were. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah. And then the other part of the state where we've also hunted is up by Glacier. And it was also just far enough away from Glacier where no one really lives, where they take the problem bears out of there at Glacier and drop them off in that unit too. We just didn't have enough elk hunting to go back there. There wasn't enough elk. We didn't have that much luck. So that's why we went to this other one where there's more bears but more elk. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Dang, dude. I, I didn't even think about that. Like Coming across wild grizzlies is one thing, but then to have grizzlies that have become a problem because they get so used to human presence that they... No, like hey if i go here there's food if i go here there's that sucks man that's like way worse than just a natural grizzly bear out there one that associates humans with easy food <laughs> yeah i mean they don't i don't think they attack
0: that many people like not every grizzly bear goes oh there's a person dinner
1: but, well no i'm yeah. i don't think that they think like a person equals like the person being dinner but even if they think that like yeah hey trash yeah left by people or just like that association not i'm going to eat that person but if i follow them around i'm going to get food eventually well there's got to be something that
0: year there was something going on because there's four yeah. or five people got mauled all up like the same drainage that we mm-hmm. were hunting in like a week or two and so like there's not that many people hunting the spot it's i i would imagine tyler i don't know like yeah, there's maybe there was ten parties archery hunting that week, and five of them got mauled. So like our group had a fifty fifty <laughs> chance, and it was probably even higher because we had ten guys in our group.
2: Yeah, and we had elk meat around camp too. We had elk so meat from day one. Elk.
0: Yeah, we had elk meat <laughs> from day one. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, grizzly was, was within three hundred yards of our elk, like hung up in the tree.
2: There was a ton of people out there this year when we were there. Oh, really? Like a ton. Yeah all over the place it was a lot a lot more people than when we were out there the first time
1: what sucked about kodiak is there weren't enough there weren't any trees big enough to even waste your time putting all your food in the tree and so we we basically just put our packs up on top of this bush like a ways from camp and that was it but it's like we we didn't have any mature trees because we were up above tree line where we were on kodiak and so it was like once we got once we got a couple miles back in all the brush everything was down like waist high and then occasionally you might see a big like six foot tall bush and so we just threw our stuff in that and wow if, if a bear came in we would be able to see it with a headlight with a headlamp from our tent how scary would have been, though, if you woke up in the morning and your bag wasn't there anymore? <laughs> Dude, We thought about it. I mean, yeah. we, weren't, we weren't more than a couple hundred yards from when we had that sow and two cub encounter. And Jeez. we came up over that hill, and I told my wife, it, there was just something about this spot that we were walking up to. I was like, we need to stop and just look for grizzlies. And she's like, okay, cool. And the whole time we're talking super loud, which is also weird to me like I'm hunting or I'm in the area that I'm hunting, but we're basically like singing and yelling to each other the whole way up the mountain. And all of a sudden we stop. And as soon as we stop, it could not have been five seconds. I see this giant blonde head and I'm like, Oh crap. And it's, it's 40 yards away. And I'm like, Hey bear. She stands up two cubs stand up next to her. And I'm not talking like two year old cubs. I'm talking like, a oh couple of cubs, and that I'm just, I'm still to this day super thankful that she decided to take them over the hill the opposite direction. But yeah, then we continued to hike up, set up a tiny little like backcountry two man tent, uh, that we both barely fit in and spent the night. Nice little human burrito for that bear. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, dude, it would have been, yeah, just awesome. Pour some salmon berry jam over the top of us and it'd be a treat. Crazy. But luckily that's the only one we saw on that on that hunt. We did have two two bears kick us off of our salmon spot, I think two days before that. That was a crazy trip, man. I don't I don't know that I've ever told the full story on the Western rookie. Basically, we get out there, we start salmon fishing, we get kicked off of our spot from salmon. Uh, from two bears they just came down into the river and we had to bounce out of there my wife left me for dead i mean she was gone like <laughs> i'm like carrying stuff like have my pistol drawn and i'm like backing up and she's just bushwhacking her way back to the truck. uh then we go out we had whales coming up like slapping their tail right next to the boat as we were fishing we were fishing for wow. lingcod and uh halibut and rockfish and salmon and then Uh, The third day that we were there, we get a call from my mother-in-law who is watching our kids, our apartment, and our vehicles back in Colorado that someone had stolen our GMC Yukon. And we're like, well, we're in Alaska. There's not really anything we can do about it. And then that night is when we hiked up to our deer hunting spot and had the grizzly encounter. And then we woke up the next morning, shot a buck. I mean, first thing in the morning and packed it back out. So it's like every day was just wild. Vehicles getting stolen, grizzly encounters, whale encounters. And to this day, that was the coolest trip I've ever been on.
2: Did you ever get your Yukon back?
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good. That's the yeah. part of the story. <laughs> That's the part. You can tell Tyler's now back? a businessman. He's thinking about assets. <laughs> yeah. So we got our Yukon back. Dude, I need to post a picture of the guy who stole it. We found the mugshot from the arrest and uh his name is James Pearson. They ended up finding the vehicle in Nebraska. He drove it to Nebraska. They busted him at a gas station. We get the vehicle back and they're like, "Oh hey, you know it's back in town. Um you guys can come and get your belongings out of it." So we we show up and I'm like, "Dude, there's no telling what's in this so we bought like the big like rubber gloves that come up to your elbows you know and we get there and there is every type of adult content you could imagine <laughs> in the back of it there are toys back there there's flavored oh lube back there so like dirty mike and the boys straight up had a soup kitchen <laughs> in the back of our yukon um there was like a, a steel backpack leaf blower uh, a skateboard a backpack that had 13 wallets in it. Um, there were DVDs and magazines. And I mean, like it was a mess. And after, and and this is all with our two, like our kids, two car seats in the, oh my god! <laughs> and I'm just like, what is happening? And so we start like going through stuff to make sure that we don't have any valuables in it. I'm like, I don't know if they had like a, a extra house key or something in there. And so we're like going through stuff. A couple minutes into it i've got a headache i feel like i'm gonna throw up same thing with my wife and we're like dude he did something some type of drug in here and so they sent it off to have like advanced drug testing done on it he had done meth and ecstasy in it and so then they just totaled the whole thing oh my god got us new car seats luckily my my truck my motor had blown up on the truck like months earlier and we rolled that truck loan into the yukon loan and so when they wiped out, or when they totaled the Yukon, it wiped out everything I owed on the truck still. Oh, so great. It was actually kind of a big favor, but yeah, right. Pearson, I'll have to send you guys a picture of him, man. He's awesome. He's got Sandra tattooed on his neck. <laughs> so I'd like to meet Sandra at some point also. No regrets across his chest. No regrets. <laughs> Yikes. I'll, yeah, I'll, that's I'll stick great. to the grizzly bears. That's a wild yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think I'd rather deal with grizzly bears than meth heads. Yeah, that's well, true. Me and my brother are pretty cynical,
0: but we always joke, like, he's he used to be faster than me. It's probably changing a little bit now, because he's getting older, and I'm still not old. But he always used to joke, like, I don't have to be faster than the bear, I just got to be faster than you, Brian. And then I'd just respond with, the spray's for the bear, the pistols to put one through your kneecap. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's then the next part. year,
1: he started bringing pistols, too, so... <laughs> Yeah, took your advice. Both, both of you guys are just going to slowly get eaten because you both shot each other at the same yeah.
0: time. Uh, kind of weird today out on the range. We found two elk hunters both mauled by a bear.
1: But the weird <laughs> yeah. part is their IDs said they had the same last name, but they both had bullet holes in their kneecaps. Oh. <laughs> Dude, I saw that. I saw that fake news article, and I like kind of bit on it at first. Uh, and it was that same type of deal where it was a uh, guy survives grizzly bear attack with just a twenty-two. His buddy was shot in the kneecap and was not so lucky. <laughs> and I'm like, it sucks so bad. Got
0: you good. You got yeah.
1: me. Apparently, I'm really gullible these days. Yeah,
2: apparently.
0: Yeah. We got. Well, a, we should get a grizzly bear encounter
1: story on the podcast. We should find someone. We need to. I'm all about cool. it. I, I've got a question for you guys, along the line of grizzly bear encounters. If you knew you would survive without any crazy life-altering injury, but, like, you would get attacked. I mean, for sure attacked, like, claw across the chest or something. But it's non-lethal. It's not going to affect the way you navigate your life day-to-day. Would you do it? A 100%. I've I've said that before. I've said that exact same thing before. So what's funny is, like,
0: elk hunting keeps me in just good enough shape that I can outrun my brother. And not for, like, grizzly bears. I'm just saying, like... When you're out of a big group of people, you don't have to be the guy in the best shape. You just can't be in the worst shape. And then you're going to no. be in the middle of the pack. You'll have a great hunt. And so I'm like young enough that I don't really have to be in that great of shape and I can still keep up with the rest of the guys. But if I got that bear attack and I had like a big scar across my chest, then I would feel like I have to be in like 24 7, 365 beach body so I could just take my shirt off all the time. And For sure. And then people so bro, like, oh, nobody, nobody would Nobody would ever believe you. Well, that's because I got the scar. I know, but they'd never believe what the scar's from. Oh, come on. What do you want to stand there? Someone cut me three times with a knife? I think it's pretty obvious when you get a claw scar that it's a claw scar.
1: I I guess I've never seen it. Most of the grizzly attacks that I've seen, the guy's missing, like, his ear, half his face, his beard's, like, hanging there by a thread. Uh, It seems like most of the injuries are to the skull when bears attack. Well, if you gave me the power to control
0: that I survive and that I didn't get mortally wounded or, like, critically injured, like, why don't I get to control where my cool, badass scar is?
1: No, that's cool. Yeah, no, <laughs> I get that. I, I'm the same way, man. Dude, I'd take one across the face if it meant I wasn't going to lose an eye or something. I'd do three, uh, like, down the side of your head.
2: Yeah, that'd be pretty badass.
1: Dude, especially with well. your red beard. I might look kind of funny because I've got a giant noggin anyways, but, like, dude, with a big old beard and then grizzly claw marks down the skull. I've always thought they
0: look badass in movies. It'd be This one would be really hard to, like, get the scar but not have life-altering injuries. To have it where it, like, crosses your eye. But then oh, I, yeah. I still want my eye. <laughs> now yeah. you're talking. And yeah, then I'm if you could get, you like, that. super lucky to, like, defend yourself with some type of hand weapon. Not like a pistol, but, like... Yeah, like a knife, just like like, he hit me as I like stabbed him in the neck, and then there's like a picture to like Game and Fish took a picture of it. And we have no one at the office is gonna believe this story. Like if
1: we write this report up, you're going to jail because they're gonna think you're lying. (laughs) Yeah, you sever you just sever the spinal column with your like just one quick knife stab as it goes for your gut. I've thought about it enough to know if if like a bear was on top of me
0: and then I shoot it or my brother shoots it or something, and it just like Dies on top of me, I would have my brother take a picture before he got it off. Oh yeah, I, I would. I would agree with you. That'd and be he'd be cool. if you've met my brother, he'd be. He's like, I don't care. You're
1: ain't gonna hurt me any. Dude, here's the deal. As much as I think, like, dude, it'd be crazy to kill. Like, if one attacked you and you somehow kill it with a knife, there's no chance, man. Not a grizzly. Something else, maybe, but a grizzly, like. I've, I've heard the stories from my buddies, unsuccessful pig killing stories when they go to slaughter a pig and like having to try to finish it off with a knife and just how horrific it was and how long it took to think like, okay, that's a 250 pound pig. Now multiply that by five or four or three or whatever. And now you've got a giant grizzly with much thicker fur. There's no way you're going to do it with a knife. Well, if you, di- I think
0: you could mortally wound one and it would bleed out, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't save you. Like they ain't gonna
1: stop from that. No, unless they just ran off at that point. But you got to think, dude, they're fighting other grizzlies, man, with yeah. with claws the size of the knife. And I mean, they're getting a hold of each other and tearing into each other. And yeah, I would definitely want something other than a knife. I would like to shoot it last second, point blank. Gets a good slash. Good doesn't knock the pistol out of your hand. That's Our wives it. would dig those scars, wouldn't they? My wife would not want me to ever hunt again. Yeah, my wife yeah, doesn't really too.
0: like the fact that I hunt Grizzly the country.
1: <laughs> no, I was gonna say I don't think she'd be fond of it. She, in fact, she told me That's she wasn't going to do it again. So
2: shoot, is it because you got your Yukon stolen or
1: because of the brown bear? <laughs> He's just really toyed up on this Yukon. <laughs> Yukon. <laughs> now we gave my mother-in-law a really hard time about that, but it ended up being. A huge blessing to us so yeah, i, I yeah. keep thinking about writing james pearson in prison and saying hey thanks man like you you saved me from like nine grand in debt just don't be stupid enough to put your return address on it <laughs> no definitely not all of a sudden my truck's gone also <laughs> now i think yeah grizzly grizzly country sounds fun it's just that extra mm-hmm. element uh added to the hunt Hopefully, I'm up there at some point chasing after animals, but uh, yeah, yet to hunt Wyoming or Montana. I feel like
0: we have we've joked enough about this grizzly. If if anyone is like a newbie to western hunting and they're like, "Oh, it doesn't sound like grizzlies are that big of a deal," we're definitely being sarcastic on a lot of things. Bring pepper yeah. spray. The pepper yeah, spray is by sure. far your best bet. If you f- want to bring a pistol, bring a pistol, but draw the pepper spray first.
2: Yeah, and just mentally prepare yourself for going into grizzly country because it can be pretty intimidating if you don't.
0: Yeah, look up bear safety practices. Definitely Mm -hmm. be smart about it, guys. Yeah, (laughs) I don't want someone to write it. I would love to have mail. You can email us anytime, and we'll read it live but I would hate for the first time someone emails in is like, I went and hunted that unit you and Tyler were talking about. It sounded fun. And my brother got mauled. Thanks a lot. No, guys. It's
1: not even going to be, it's not even going to be mail. It's going to be on like Apple Podcasts, and it's going to be a one-star review of the podcast. Like, I took their advice and got mauled by a grizzly. Yeah. Please don't do that. Hey, last thing I, I know we're just over an hour now, but yeah. along those same lines, I did see a documentary about mountain lion attacks in, like, California, I think it was. And one of the stories was this guy. He was in his 60s or 70s, ran the same route on the same country road every single day, and he would stop and sit on this rock and, like, rehydrate partway through his run. And one day, he gets there, and I hope somebody finds this video or, like, has seen it also and remembers what show it was on. He stops, sits down, and he could just... Since something was watching him he turns as this mountain lion is like about to attack him it bites him on the shoulder he realizes he has a swiss army knife in his pocket pulls it out as he's being attacked by the mountain lion and just starts stabbing like this ends up taking out the carotid or the jugular or whatever on this mountain lion and it dies within yards of him he survives they get a picture of the two different blood spots from him and from the mountain lion where it had died, and that was the the whole thing was a reenactment, except it showed the actual picture on scene when the first responders showed up, and so that I was like, that guy's got the coolest story, especially being in his sixties or seventies, like you literally took out a mountain lion with a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, did you hear about? Story. Did you hear about the teacher that
0: was it Colorado that killed the mountain lion with a rock?
1: Ah, uh-huh. the one guy kneeled on one or like stepped on its throat until it died. I might have been the same guy it attacked him. It was a teacher. And
0: um killed it with a rock and then like hit it with a rock and then I think he stepped on its throat until it died. Oh, yeah. I'm probably butchering it. Hopefully somebody well someone listening probably knows the story though. No dude, that's
1: in. that was that was in the town that we lived in in Colorado and it was on Horsetooth Mountain. Yeah. which we used to hike up all the time. So like we had hiked on that trail that it happened on. Well, then
0: the details came out, right? And it's like, oh, it was this, like, teacher that's pretty fit. And then there was, like, a 40-pound, like, anorexic male mountain lion. And everyone's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, well, I could take a 40-pound cat. And then my brother, who's, like, he's so smart and has, like, the wittiest comebacks, is like, why don't you go try to give your house cat a bath? Yeah.
1: yeah exactly. <laughs> and then tell me if you want to fight a 40-pound mountain lion. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and that was the thing, like, Joe Rogan talked about him, the Meat Eater crew talked about him, and everyone was like, dude, this guy's the craziest. And he he, had, he did an interview, and his face was all cut up, and, like, just, I mean, he had scabs everywhere. And they're like, dude, this guy's insane. Like, he killed a wild animal without even a tool. Like, he, I think they ended up saying that what caused the animal to die was that he stepped on its neck until it suffocated. And... And everyone's like, "Dude, this guy's the most badass human being on the planet." And then it was like, "Oh, it turns out the cat was eighty pounds." And I was like, "I don't okay, think it was that pounds, big. dude." No I think it was joke. Like forty pounds. Well, no, it they kept. Uh, oh, as the stories started coming out, like yeah, it was like a full-grown mountain lion. Then it was an eighty-pounder. Then it was sixty. Then it was forty. And I think the last, the last uh, report was that the cat was between thirty-five and forty-five pounds. <laughs> and I had that same exact thought about the house cat i was like dude i don't like little five pound house cats i can't imagine one that's eight times that size no chance like yeah i would rather fight any dog than any cat i agree anyways wow that was a that was a fun podcast from you guys yeah, it from was. me to just all how we all would like to not we would all like to be attacked, but not fatally, by a grizzly bear. Uh, Somebody's gonna catch just, us elk all, hunting
0: all together. Like we're gonna finally plan yeah. an elk hunt together, and we're all gonna come home with like the exact same scar. <laughs> <laughs> and going like, ah, I think I heard a podcast about this about two years ago.
1: We're all walking around with like raw meat in our cargo. Yeah. Box. No, I meant <laughs> right. just we're just each
0: like taking our broadheads on each other. Oh, yeah. Like, oh no, yeah, give we'll me give me like better. a little squirrely one
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> we all post it we all three got slashed by the same grizzly bear it'd be cool Brian's like... like trying to cut it down his eyeball <laughs> that'd be great yeah no that'd i'm be... not doing any fake scars it better be the real deal or nothing
2: Let, let's plan an though. that'd be fun
1: i'll give you a unit dan if you want to go get that real scar <laughs> if you want to yeah just wait until all the cows die and then go hunt right in the middle of the cow carcasses um, there you Go. well man guys thanks for hopping on thanks yeah. for chatting and uh yeah i'm gonna have to come up there now since you guys are besties i'll just yeah, come up to hang out with you guys we'll do some archery shooting out at the uh out at the ground
2: yeah yeah
1: we're gonna to try to get the summer get together
0: going when they get up and into the mm-hmm. season. Everything's launched. We'll do another podcast, uh, two bucks podcast out live, and I'm sure you guys will throw some type of a party, Tyler.
2: Yeah, we're gonna do a uh, kind of a relaunch here at some point. So yeah, I can let you know when that is. Mm-hmm. And then Dan, you just tell us when you're ready to hunt with the two grizzly guys, and we'll we'll take you wherever.
0: I don't know if I want that title yet. I don't think I've earned <laughs> it. I think a lot of people yeah, have suffered yeah. a lot worse than I have to I earn agree. that
1: title. <laughs> yeah, and I'll I'll wait till you guys actually have elk success with your bows out in Montana hey, now. before I come hey, out. Now. Right hey, we've <laughs> both packed elk out on our trips. Yeah. Hey, listen, it's a team I, effort. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of guys who would be happy to call me up to come pack out elk for them, but uh, I want to shoot one. I want to shoot one with my bow. Well, the problem with bow hunting elk is you almost need a better hunter
0: than you to be the caller like the the caller's got more work than the hunter oh yeah that's been my my issue
2: i'm the only one that calls in our group before so i'm the i'm the odd man out i I always get stuck calling so and i like it but
1: dang i yeah i guess i didn't really think about i dude i've never tried to call an elk at all uh i actually i take that back i tried to call one just with my voice in utah because i had one bugling right right outside our camp let me let me oh, turn goes. down my volume feedback and why don't you let you let that rip dan <laughs> no way dude my throat has been so sore like i want to hear the, your i want to hear your bugle without a reed. i do too Oh, dude we'll do it we'll do it in person at some
0: point when uh, we're out I'll in colorado bring, when we're out in colorado i'll bring a reed, and you you bring your
1: tongue and your tonsils and we'll see who wins Dude, I, no joke, there might even be video evidence of this because Linnea had her camera with, and I was calling back and forth with this bull. It was the oldest, raspiest bull I've ever heard in my life. And I was calling back and forth with it just using my voice. And by the end of it, I could barely talk because I was trying to go so high pitch. And it, my throat, my throat was sore for probably four days after that, but it actually worked. <laughs> Not saying that I'd call one in because it sounded like every time he responded he was getting farther away but (laughs) the fact that he responded at all i was pretty proud of oh hey there you go that's pretty cool all right well that's a good note to end this one on yeah thanks for uh thanks for joining us guys thanks guys